If you have any topic suggestions that you'd like to hear more about or questions that you're hoping that we could maybe address on a future podcast, you can click the Get in Touch box right on our website at ktsmoneymatters.com. And the Hardworking Woman's Guide to Money, available either on our website, KT's Money Matters, or on Amazon. Or of course, you can find our link in the show notes. Working with your investments, retirement, insurance, estate or tax planning, or just dealing with everyday expenses, your money matters. Let KT Thomas help you make the most of it. This is KT's Money Matters. Welcome back. This is KT Thomas at KT Money Matters. We've decided to invest this next few weeks of quick tips to talk about where you should be thinking about financially at each decade of your life. So last week, we talked about the 20s. If you missed that show, you can catch it on iTunes and hear about the 20s. If either you're in your 20s or somebody that you love is in their 20s and you want to give them some free financial advice, you can just link them into my podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the 30s. I think this is a really exciting time in people's lives. And this is also a time for you parents out there where some of your financial advice might not be wildly accepted, anticipated, or sought out. By the time somebody's in their 30s, they've started to think about making their own money decisions. And they maybe don't want to reach out to their parents as much. But parents, you should know what they're thinking about and then think about how you might be able to help without taking over. By the time somebody's in their 30s, they're more independent. They're really not looking for you to jump in and rule their lives anymore. That is so high school. That's so the last decade. They're out of that and they're moving on. So if you're in your 30s, like my daughter Jackie's in her 30s and she's thinking about saving for retirement and she hasn't bought her first house yet, but she's thinking about saving for her first house and she's had a couple of promotions at work and she feels like she's on her professional track and she's wondering, you know, what should I be thinking about right now? And she's already done the things that we talked about in the 20s, right? So she already went and got the, you know, significantly cheaper version of television than her old mother had and the cell phone contract that had what she needed but didn't cost her an arm and a leg. And she's figured out things like she's had her first, she had her first professional car, which is now paid off. And she's got her eyes set on another car that she really wants. Full disclosure here, we're so car women. You know how like they're the car guy who like loves the car? Well, we're like that, but we're like women. We love like the car. We're into the cars. So she wants a car that has certain things in it, blah, blah, blah. And her car is currently paid off. And now she's thinking about how should she approach buying the next car? Should she sell her car outright? Because it's kind of a nice car. She could get more money if she did that. But then there's more safety if you trade it in because then you don't have to worry about something being unhappy. She's in, I don't know, her second or third apartment. It's a very nice apartment. She's not ready to buy a house yet, but she's starting to circle that around because she's in her early 30s. And now she's starting to think about that and thinking about interest rates and what she really needs to do to be able to purchase a mortgage that makes sense. And last, I know this might be shocking for some 30-year-olds, she's also thinking about saving for her retirement. She absolutely doesn't want to work her whole life away, but at the same time, She knows she needs to save for the future. She's got older parents and she looks at us and goes, I better put more money in the bank. But she wants to have a life now, right? She has a whole life and she wants the whole life. She's still sort of vacationing a little on the cheap, you know, making sure that she's not spending too much for airplane tickets and, you know, shopping for this car. She'll spend a lot of time looking for the right car at the right price. But for savings, she does a lot of things that have become very commonplace today for investors. 
So in the 401k plan at work, she saves and she uses the target fund, which is basically a fund that's structured to be invested for somebody who might retire 30 years from now. And she does it because it's easy. She gets to pick a fund that's very well diversified, that represents what the portfolio should look like for somebody who has a 30-year time frame. Now, she doesn't have enough money that you know we could take advantage of all those little nuances of the million investment options that might exist. So she just uses this target fund. Now, as her money grows, she'll diversify it and use some different funds to help her get a little extra market exposure, especially because you know she has a mother in the business. You know, I'm going to want to try to get her to do something different with that. But here's what I'll say to you. If you're just starting out and you're not sure, you're saving. First thing she started to do before she was even sure how much she could save was she added enough to make sure she got 100% of the employer-sponsored match. So in her 401k plan, the company provided 3% if she saved 3%. So when she started the job, she called me up. She said, what do you think? I said, do 3% and we'll do more later. So she started with 3% and then we put her in what's called an automatic increase program, which a lot of 401ks plans have today, which increases the amount that you save each year by 1%. So even though that doesn't seem like a lot, By the time she's 37, she'll be saving 10% of her income for retirement, which is about the target most people try to save for retirement. So maybe she doesn't get there in year one, but she gets there over time because she edges it up every single year automatically. I think this is a great strategy for people in their 30s because right now there are still lots of demands on your money and it's hard to decide what part of the income you're going to save. But this automatic savings a lot of times will align with like her automatic You know, when she has a review, she gets a little bonus. It all kind of happens at the same time and she starts saving a little bit more money. So in your 30s, what you really want to get good at is establishing a strong plan for how you will save. In your 20s, you spend a lot of what you make because there's not a lot. You're making money more than you were making before, but you're out on your own. You have a lot more expenses than you used to have. You're probably still paying a lot of student loans. And even in your 30s, you're still paying a lot of student loans. But the difference is it's not as big a piece of your paycheck as it was in your 20s. So in your 20s, your student loans were a lot of your income. And by the time you get to your 30s, the student loans are that money that never goes away. It just never goes away or it feels like it'll never go away. And frankly, if you pay the minimum amount, it won't go away for 20 years. So in your 30s, this is where I think you have more income and you could pay your student loans down quicker and you can either choose to pay them down quicker or not. And so a lot of times people used to say to me, but I can deduct the interest on my student loans. And that actually is still true, except that with the tax law change in 2018, it will be few and far between young people who are able to itemize. Most of them will go back to filing without itemizing, which means the interest deduction is lost. It wasn't valuable because double the standard deduction, which is what the rule is now, is actually better. So now that we know that the interest deduction, which used to be deductible, may not be, unless you are a homeowner and you've got a lot of things financially going on, you may want to start thinking about accelerating your loan payment to make them go away quicker. Now, do I just throw more money at it, KT? I mean, how do I actually make this go away quicker? First thing I do is I look at the balances of all and the interest rates of all and the payments of all. And then what I do is like, let's say you have three different loans. You have a private loan, you have a Perkins loan, and you have a Stafford loan. And you have three different interest rates. 
the first thing I look at is what's the one with the highest interest rate? Because borrowing money at a higher rate costs more money. It's actually that simple. You take the one at the highest interest rate, and if you believe you can put an extra, whatever it is, $100 a month, $200 a month, $500 a month, $1,000 a month, I don't know what your resources are, but whatever it is, you go in and you change the automatic payment from $150 a month, if that's what it used to be, to $250 a month. And once it's paid off, you take that $250 a month and you apply it to the next most expensive loan. And then when that's paid off, you apply that whole savings to the least most expensive loan. And you'll cut five to seven years off the time frame of your loans by doing this. And this will be really important because when we get to talking about your 40s, we're now talking about saving for kids' colleges. We have mortgages by now. We have a lot of claims on our income now. And we are starting to see older people retire. We know it's really coming. So your 30s is when you learn how to be a disciplined saver. And it's also when you learn to sort of clear up the wreckage of the past. That education has maybe allowed you to make more money or sometimes sadly not, but you have it anyway. You have that liability and it's now your job to get rid of it. And even though they'll give you 20 years, what I'll say to you is you don't want all that time. This is something that you actually want to work at to eliminate during your 30s because it will give you so much more flexibility over your life as we start adding those bigger goals later. Now, in your 30s, you also start to become eligible for certain things in business that you've heard about, but you never got in your 20s, like the ability to do employee stock purchase plans. So employee stock purchase plans allow you to buy stock in your company out of your paycheck every week, but it's not pre-tax money like retirement. It allows you to buy the stock. And the reason why people do it is because usually they get to buy, they save all month for six months. And then they get to buy the stock at 15% below either the opening month price or the closing month price. And it's liquid, meaning they could sell it right away. So walk this road with me. It's January and the stock is trading at $50 a share and you're contributing to your, what they call the employee stock purchase plan or ESPP plan. And you're putting so much money in every week. And at the end of the six month period, they look at the price at the end of the six months Let's say it's $53. So they take 15% off the $50 price. So now it's the end of the six months and the beginning price was $50 and the ending price is $53. And a 15% discount on the beginning price means that you bought your shares at $42.50 and you could sell them right away and start the whole process over. Now, a lot of times people don't do the employee stock purchase plan simply because they just don't understand it. They think I don't have time or money for stock. I need this cash to pay off my student loans. And what I'm saying to you is you could actually do both. So you could do this over six months. And then when it becomes available, you execute and sell so that you have no stock left over and you do it for the next six months. It's really a riskless way for you to participate in the company stock. And as long as you sell it at the end of each period, it won't interrupt your cash flow, but it's a great way for you to get a little extra money on your money. And let's face it, we're never going to make this kind of money in the bank. The other thing that you might start to have exposure to is stock options. And stock options can be fairly complex, and there are lots of different ways that you can receive them. So once you're eligible and you get stock grants, it's important to get some advice about how they work. And we'll make sure that we spend some time and talk about stock options in a later podcast. But if you get a company that gives you benefits health insurance, life insurance, disability insurance, a 401k plan probably for you to save, maybe dental, maybe a health savings account, 
or maybe a cafeteria plan, you're suddenly like in the big leagues now of money because now what you're doing is you're getting paid a lot of different ways and not just what you're making an hour. And it's important to understand how all those ways drive your lifestyle. See, in the beginning, it's like you work for a job for an hourly wait and you really don't get anything else from them. So it's easy for you to figure out what that really means. But later on, benefits start to become a big part of your, what we call total compensation plan. So when you're looking at a job you want to look at, do you have things like access to an ESPP? Do you have education reimbursement? Something like 80% of all graduate degrees are paid for by employers of current undergrad students who come to work for them. And they get so much reimbursement for the cost of their school that that's a really important thing too, unless of course you're dying to pay for your graduate degree all by yourself. And so you want to look at benefits through your employer. That's really important now. And you want to look at savings for retirement and how you learned how to increase your savings, a disciplined way. And then you want to look at eliminating your student debt because it is in the way of your future, even though it has brought you to where you are right now. Now, many of us start our families in our 30s. Some of us even start our families in our 20s. And so what I'll say to you is the biggest challenge for people working in their early 30s with kids is childcare, which is excruciatingly expensive. It's really tough for people to figure out whether or not it's even worth it to go back to work or whether or not one parent should stay home. So I have some sort of quick rules of thumb to think about this. If you're one child at home, and you are a college graduate, and you're making a you know decent amount of money. Decent, I mean, you know, thirty-five thousand dollars a year or more. If you can afford to stay home, and that's what you want to do, fantastic. If you're wondering whether or not you can make more money just staying home, the answer is no. But at twenty thousand dollars a year, the answer is maybe. So it really depends upon how much income you're making, because daycare or childcare can cost thousands of dollars a month. And so when you add that into the cost of a child staying home and you going back to work, that can really cut down the value of one of the parents going back to work. I always like to say by the time you have two kids, you really need to be making fifty or $60,000 a year, or it might be better off for you to stay home with the kids at least until they start preschool. Now, some women I know are never going back to work. They want to be home with their kids while their kids are young and take advantage of this time. And what I'll say to you is, if you have that plan, you need to have a better savings plan early because you have to make sure that you've prepared for that. And you also have to be what I always call the one car loan family. So if we're going to be the one job family, we also need to be the one car loan family. We need to be the one moderate vacation family. We need to be the smart cable TV family. We need to be the smart cell phone provider family. We need to be the Marshalls and TJ Maxx shopper. We need to decide that we are going to take some of those random expenses that we all just spend and don't even think about it and make them make sense. Because otherwise, it's unaffordable in today's society for one parent to stay home and the other parent to go back to work unless that other parent you know, has a really substantial income or you've really planned for it, which means you're going to live a simpler income driven needed life and you're going to be smart about it because if staying home is what you really want to do, then you have to decide you're going to pick it over the other things that your friends are picking. And, you know, it's not a judgment thing. I have lots of friends who've gone back to work. I have lots of friends who've stayed home. And what I'll say to you is that that's a completely independent decision. But if your money is aligned with the idea of living the great life, and then you decide you want to stay home, that's going to be kind of hard to pull off. So first child, most people go back to work. 
mostly because they can't afford it. Second child, many people stay home because the math doesn't make sense. Three children, the math just doesn't make sense for two people to be working with everything that it takes for three kids. And people do do it, but it's not pretty. So you really have all of these things coming together in your 30s. And this is when financial advice starts to become really valuable. Not, you know, oh, let's look at the algorithm of the market and decide whether or not stocks are going up or down. I mean financial counseling. The idea that you sit down with yourself, with your spouse, and with someone else. I mean, sometimes spouses can just do it by themselves, but I'll say to you that that third party person who doesn't have to get in the car on the way home becomes really valuable now. That person that helps you think out what you really want, what really matters. Because if you always choose what really matters, you'll find that the other things that didn't matter really didn't matter. Thanks for listening to KT's Money Matters with KT Thomas. For more information, past episodes, and show notes, go to www.ktsmoneymatterspodcast.com. Make sure you subscribe and recommend it at iTunes, Overcast, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.